Just a heads up, there was an issue with the guest microphone toward the end causing my audio to echo with it. We will definitely get this sorted out in the future. And for the YouTube viewers out there, we've actually made it into the top 200 society and culture podcast. But would you please help us out to get to the new and noteworthy category? All you gotta do is click the link in the description and leave us a review. Thanks so much and enjoy the show. Welcome back to the In the Woods podcast, the show dedicated to your strange and eerie encounters outdoors. This is our second episode, featuring some frightening forest tales from me, my family, and our guest today, who happens to be my brother, who is currently making weird noises behind me for some reason. Anyway, today is a chilling episode, full of alleged haunted cemeteries, as well as disturbing creatures seen in the woods, and sometimes just outside of it. I hope you enjoy the show, and don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes to help us get noticed. Follow and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app or website, and if you want to be on the show as a guest, simply send us an email at inthewoodsstories at gmail.com with a quick explanation of your outdoors or woods scary story. This week I'm with my brother, of all people, uh, we used to live together, of course. We were raised together. And we used to live out in the woods, in the boondocks. And our family, ourselves including, experienced a lot of creepy things out there. Uh, how are you doing today, Noah? Good, how are you, Brendan? It's good to have you on board. Um, <clears throat> so, I know that you have a really creepy experience about something you saw at our dad's shop. But we're going to save that to the end. If you don't know, our dad used to paint cars, uh, self-employed out in a shop by the woods. Everything's by the woods out here. So, <clears throat> we'll start off with a few smaller experiences that we've heard or experienced ourselves, and then we'll build up to that. So, uh, Noah, you told me about an experience a friend of yours had recently. Tell me about that. Well, uh, it's probably about a couple weeks ago now. Uh, I guess why it was relevant, it was probably the closest description to what I witnessed on the night I saw what I saw, but. So did an experience or hearing an experience so similar to yours from someone else and someone you probably trusted since you're friends with him kind of confirm what you originally saw? I mean, for the longest time I thought it was just a dream and then I guess that night kind of reminded me how much of a reality it was. Right. Did you just want it to be a dream? Honestly, yes. Yeah, something that terrifying, I would definitely agree. It was. It would be better off as a dream. Okay, so let's get into your friend's story, or actually the text you received from him. So, what were you doing when he texted you? I was a. Uh, I was just sitting on the couch, watching some YouTube in my living room. What did he send you exactly? Uh, he just. We were just casually talking, and then. He got kind of serious and asked why, and he, that's when he kind of described it to me, what happened to him. Now, could you go ahead and describe what your friend told you, or what his encounter was? Well, uh, it began with, uh, him and his older brother were heading home after, you know, a long day out, and they were heading down this place I like to call Pine Hollow. 
Yeah, you texted me a few texts about his experience as well. You said it was from, or at a place called uh, Lowater Bridge, right? The little bridge that runs down the hill we used to live on? Yeah, it actually happened not even a few feet from the side of that bridge. So what exactly did he see? So what he described was closely related to, I guess, a wolf. But there were a few differences. What were the differences exactly? Well, I guess the most distinct thing would be the horns. He said it had, uh, I guess, almost antlers. Like a oh, deer. that's terrifying. Sounds like a lot of the old illustrations you see of Wendigo. Yeah. But what parts of it were like a wolf, exactly? Uh, I think it's the uh, almost wolf-like or dog-like face that it had, despite it having horns. And it had pointed ears and really, really fluffed up face like a wolf would. Right. The wolf-looking face is always what, sca- what scares me the most in werewolf films. Me too, definitely. But I'm going to go ahead and read the text you sent me, because I was just chilling one night, and he sent me some text describing this situation, and it was pretty chilling, to be honest. So, my brother hits me up with some text, texts telling me about his friend, who has seen some stuff that we were just talking about. He says, word for word, his friend said that it was on all fours, just sitting in the water, then it stood up onto two legs. He said that it was insanely tall, had the legs and lower half of almost like a deer, the torso and build of what reminded him of a dog or wolf, and the face of almost a man. Almost. He said it stared him down as him and his brother drove by. And later on you said that, uh, he said that a couple of nights since then, something has been violently ramming his house, or hitting itself into it. Now that's creepy. Does he think it's the same thing? Yes, yes he does. Now, I wonder why something like that would follow him home. Uh, honestly, I don't know. I wouldn't want that to happen to me. Now, does this sound similar to what you experienced? Um, I guess the visual description's pretty close, but I didn't feel stalked by what I saw. I saw it, and then it was gone moments later. Right. So something that either ran up on you or you kind of stumbled upon it? Yes. Okay. So we're going to go over a few more crazy experiences we all had out in this area. We're going to call it Pine Hollow for the for this episode. Some very weird things happened out here, and this is an area where there won't be internet connection for a long time even still. That's how boondoxy it is. So we're going to move on to something that I don't even know much about, but my uncle or great-uncle referred to as the hog-nosed bear. Uh, now, up on the hill where we used to live, kids would play because we had nieces, nephews, uh, cousins that were under the age of nine or so. And of course, they want to play outside. They want to run around, play pretend, pick up sticks, beat them against trees. You know what kids do. Now, every so often, living this far out from the city, uh, wild animals get brave. And a lot of people don't realize that when they get brave, you got to put them back into a state of fear. Because if you don't make them afraid of you, the next thing you know, your kid that's playing outside is gone. And all you're going to find is bones out in some den somewhere. You don't want that. So every so often, my great-uncle would stay up a couple hours later at night, 
he would watch the edge of the darkness from the telephone pole. And sometimes coyotes, sometimes other things, mountain lions, bears, would come up on the property. And when that happened, you'd have to shoot at them. Now, if you shot at them and they didn't take the warning, that was a bad sign. And sadly, some of them had to be put down the same way. Now, Great Uncle R, we'll say, he told us of something he saw one night while doing just that, that just defined logic. And he referred to it as the hog-nosed bear. And it's exactly what you, what it sounds like. A very large bear with a very messed up looking snout and tufts, tufts of hair missing. And the snout, he said, looked more like a hog or maybe a trunk. Now, what this reminded me of are modern day sightings of giant ground sloths, which are supposed to be extinct. But I've heard sightings from my primary YouTube channel and other places of ground sloths still existing. While that may be scary, I don't think a sloth would be dangerous, but I could be wrong. Something that big could always pose a problem to your children that you let play outside, or anyone that's smaller than it. But what, do you, what did you think about his hog-nosed bear story? Well, I mean, he had some, some dogs, remember? And oh, yeah. a lot of them disappeared, and a lot of them came up dead with very unusual wounds and marks on them. Yeah, Great Uncle R, when we moved up onto that hill, had a lot of dogs. And by the time we left, he had less than half of those dogs. And mostly due to something killing the dogs that came from the woods. Now, <clears throat> I remember one of his red bones coming back home, and there was a probably a foot-by-foot foot chunk missing out of its rear end. And there was nothing to do for that dog. And that crap was already all festered, and there were some maggots. So they tried to see if it would settle. Couldn't afford the vet bills. And I think, didn't that dog die? Yeah, I remember the uh, the chunk out of it looking almost like a mark made by a mouth or teeth. And it was almost the size of a a large platter. Yeah, it was it was disgusting. And it was pretty creepy to think about. Because I used to walk down that hill or ride bikes up and down the hill. In particular, one thing I used to do with cousins and my brothers, and whenever we could, any friends that might have stayed over, we'd take midnight walks down the hill. We'd walk maybe a mile and come back. But to know that there were things in those woods capable of basically ripping out half a dog that big. Red bones get pretty big. Like it was nothing. That's creepy. Now, we did get pictures of a mountain lion out there, and when my family tried to report it to the local news, even with pictures, they said it was something else. They said that mountain lions don't inhabit that part of where we lived. But there are things out there, and the proof lied within pictures, and even the chunks that whatever it was took out of the dogs, and the sightings my great-uncle had. But that's not all. So, one day, my mother was coming home, and the thing about that hill we lived on was when you drove up it, you had to stop, open up a gate, pull through, stop again, and then close the gate before you went back through. And at night, this was terrifying. I hated opening and closing that gate after dark. It was in the middle of the woods, and there were no lights out there, except your headlights. And if whoever was driving the car wanted to spook you, they would turn off the headlights and race up the hill to leave you there, which happened to me on numerous occasions because I was so easy to prank, and I hated it. So my mom was coming home one day. Uh, she got out to open the gate, 
Uh, I think my father pulled through. He was driving. He stopped. She closed the gate and was just about to get back in when something on the other side of the gate started trampling towards her. Now, immediately, she thought it was a cow. But the problem with that is, the cows are on the opposite side. They're not past the gate, they're within the gate. And whatever was trampling towards her, chasing her, was something on that other side. Not a cow. It was something else. And she doesn't know what it was. She wants to believe it was a cow. But it's just more random creepiness in our neck of the woods. So, as for me... I had something very weird happen. I'm still in denial about what it was. But I'll go ahead and go into my story. I think I've told it on my main channel, but here it is again. Back in the day, I used to work at Subway. They trained me for about a week, and then they let me loose. I would close the night shift. I think it was like 10 or 12 we closed. I can't remember. But I would close up shop at night after working by myself for about eight hours, which was already hectic enough. Then I drive home in the dark, exhausted. And when you're that exhausted, you're already seeing things out of the corner of your eye on the road. Driving, and you think you see a shadow on the side of the road, you know what I mean. But I, of course, had to go up the hill and open and close that darned gate. The moment you get in your car and have to, you realize you have to open that gate yourself when you get there. Two things go through your mind. This is going to be creepy. I don't want to do it. Or, I really hope someone happens to be driving ahead of me and just lets me go through. But no, that second part was not an option tonight. I pull up the road, trees arching overhead, the dirt road crumbling underneath the wheels. I get out. I, I put my car in park, of course. Then get out, open the gate. Everything seems fine. It's dark, I got my headlights on, don't see anything unusual. Get back in the car, I pull through real slow, and then I get out to close the gate. The chain rattles as I latch it back up, and I start to approach my driver's side door. And that's when I make the mistake of looking forward and toward the right, where there is a lone tree about ten yards separated from where the forest thickens. And leaning out behind that tree... To this day, I don't know what it was. I always told myself that if I saw something in the woods, I would take a look at it, take a good gander, even pull out my phone and take a picture. But I did not have the courage I thought I had. <clears throat> because instead of trying to see what it was, I took in maybe a second of a glance, panicked and floored it up the hill as fast as I could. I thought I was going to soil myself. But from what I did gather, it looked like something pale, maybe light gray or white, leaning out from crouching behind a tree, using its arm as a weight, not a weight, but as as a stand, to kind of peer out from behind behind this tree. I would say it looked similar to something like the rake is depicted in people's fan art, but obviously it wouldn't have been the rake. You've heard stories of crawlers, those things that look like the creatures from the descent, or uh, the Wendigo from Until Dawn, if you played that game. Very good, by the way. That's what it reminded me of. But I can't be sure. The sighting was quick. These days, I've convinced myself that what I saw was just a deer's butt. White-tailed deer have white-furred butts. But the tree was thin. That was not a thick tree. And if that was the rear of the deer sticking out one end, one end 
how did I not see the front of the deer sticking out the other? So, to this day, I have no idea what it was. I want to say it was a deer, but maybe that's just so I could sleep at night, since my room was literally about 75 yards from where I saw this thing. So, there's that. Uh, that reminds me of a, a time when I used to live with my aunt, and the same guy that saw the thing in the creek, uh, I used to go to his house almost every night at around... 10 p.m. and I go there for a couple of hours and just screw around and go back home at around 12 to 1 a.m. and was this around the around the same area? Yes, actually, the road was pretty much parallel to that same creek. Well, his driveway is uh, <clears throat> he has a dirt driveway, and once you come out of the driveway, you're immediately introduced to that creek again. And while I was walking on the side where the creek was, it was pitch black outside. It was about 12.30 a.m. And I just heard some really thick, heavy rustling in the uh, the creek. You know, large rocks being tossed around and splashes. Just almost violent. Well, the creek was sur- surrounded by two fences. One had the road on the other side of it, and the other one had a cow pasture on the other side of it. Well, I mean, I would have thought it was a cow, but I stopped to listen to, you know, investigate, and I don't know, I guess something bizarre happened. How would you describe it exactly? What exactly happened to you? Um, it was almost like something ran at an inhuman speed at me. Something invisible almost and just stopped. And the wind blew at me really violently as soon as it stopped. And it was probably about 80 degrees. It was in the middle of summer. But the gusts that hit me was probably a good 50 degrees. Sent chills down my spine. That's creepy. So you did, you heard footsteps coming at you? Yes. Wow. The footsteps were probably about... It sounded pretty heavy. Maybe close to 300 pounds. Right. So heavier than you. You're a pretty big guy. Yes. Something that big running towards you and you can't see it. That's terrifying. Um, <clears throat> it reminds me of some stories I've heard from Missing 411. I'm pretty sure you guys have heard of Missing 411. David Paulitis or Paulides. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. I apologize. But um, I heard a story of someone who was hunting in the woods, and the exact same thing happened. He said something that he could not see with his eyes ran up on him, and he could feel the gust of wind from someone stopping a rush of air. So, I don't know. It may be the same thing that's supposedly taking people in the woods, all these missing people cases, and you could have nearly just narrowly avoided being taken yourself and they always say when you're outside maybe you're even if you're walking down what was it a dirt road up to low water bridge or next to it um that's out there enough that if you're alone you may go missing and no one knows what exactly is taking people it could be other people or it could be these things we can't see 
In fact, the things we can't see might be people. But who knows? That's another conspiracy in and of itself. And I'm glad you made it out okay, brother. So we'll move on to one of my dad's experiences. My dad used to work at a water treatment facility. Uh, I actually, I think I wrote a creepypasta based on his stories there. Based on true stories. And these things he'd tell me when he'd come home from work and tell these stories to me, they were creepy. When your dad tells a story, you listen. Now, anyway, so he used to work at a water treatment facility. And what he'd have to do is basically just sit there, monitor the uh, statistics of the water, make sure everything's got the proper acidity, proper turbidity, all that kind of stuff. And every few hours, he'd have to t have to go on rounds. And since he worked at night, the rounds were at night. And he'd have to walk in the dark, drive in the dark, all by his lonesome. And that's something that a lot of people like myself both enjoy and would rather avoid because it's not as fun as we think it is. So he was doing his rounds and he has to close up a gate, another gate, yep, gates are bad, at this lake entrance because the lake closes down every night. You can't be out there boating, fishing past that time. So he has to first uh, cross through the gate, go to the lake where the entrance is, where the uh, people load and unload their boats and make sure everyone's gone. If you see someone in their car or someone's car, he has to wait for them, which is a pain in the ass. You don't want to have to be stuck out there in the dark waiting for someone that shouldn't be past time, you know? There's a sign there that says how long he could be there. Well, on this occasion, the last person there happened to be someone we knew. If I recall correctly, it was our cousin's uh, husband. He had just got done fishing, so they talked a little bit first before he was to lock the gate up. And while they were talking, he was facing the road he had just driven down. A wooded road, a broad, <clears throat> leads back up to the gate. And as he was looking in that direction with the sun going down behind them, he sees this tall, massive, dark figure. And it's so big, it steps out of the woods, takes one step, and is already across the road, entering the other side of the woods. This freaked him out so much that he didn't realize he had stopped talking. So he was just dumbfounded, and our cousin's husband was like, Dude, what, what are you doing? What's wrong? And that was that. That was something he couldn't explain. He didn't know what it was. Even the deer, who can prance and jump across roads like that, did not have leaps that far. But this thing took the entirety of the width of the road in one step and was gone. And from what I remember, he said it was t as tall as a young pine. So it was huge. But even if it's that big, it was able to hide within the trees with ease. Because once it was past that road, it was gone. Out of sight. Now, that wasn't the only thing my dad had experienced working at the water treatment facility. Well, not so much experienced. But he heard other stories from people. This one, he didn't experience himself. But a lot of the guys there... They talked about that same road leading to the, to the lake. There would be screaming. They would drive down past the gate. Once again, they would check to make sure everyone was gone. And it seemed to always be when no cars and no people were around. And they would usually think, ah, easy, I don't have to wait for anyone, and I don't have to kick anyone out. I can just drive back up and close the gate. But right before they'd leave, a woman's scream could be heard echoing through the trees. And of course, 
they would get back in their vehicle and drive away as fast as they could. Now, you might be thinking, what if someone was hurt? Sure, that might be your first reaction. But if you hear it several nights in a row, or sparsely throughout the month, the same voice screaming at the same time every night, you know that's not someone in trouble. It's something entirely different. Something you don't want to come up on in person. So driving away at a high speed to close the gate is probably the best option. That place he worked at, I've been there, I used to wait with him there to get off work to take me home. It was truly eerie. And that's why I made such a good creepypasta setting. Wish I could remember the name of that and link it to you, but I can't. Anyway, this brings us to the main story of the night, why I have my brother here with us tonight uh, to tell his most creepy and visceral experience he's had. And this happened right up from right up the road from where my dad used to work at another place my dad used to work, at a little paint shop. My dad used to be self-employed and would take paint jobs on the side, or not on the side, he would paint people's cars for a living for a while, and use this little shop as his paint booth. So, Noah, go ahead, introduce us into your story, tell us everything that happened. Now, this is probably, no, without a doubt, this is the most clear, most up-close encounter I've ever had. Um, right beside the shop, there was a fence line, and after the fence line, there was really tall grass, a few trees, and an abandoned house. And I guess that didn't really creep me out much. It was what I saw on that night that pretty much did me in. So it was around 5 to 6 p.m. on a summer night, and my dad was finishing up some clear coat on one of his cars. Uh, I can't, well, no human can really inhale the paint. It's very toxic. He made me go outside because he only had one paint mask to wear and he didn't want me inhaling any of the paint fumes. Of course. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. So... I went around front and I did actually have a bike there that I would ride around the shop and I don't know, something just felt oddly, I, I guess I had a feeling of dread go down and I don't know why. So instead of riding my bike or even doing anything, I sat down in front of the overhead door that was shut. 
trying uh, to kind of like sticking as close to dad as possible. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the first thing that caught my attention was just a little spider that was right above me. The kind that is guaranteed to land on your head if you stay there. Oh, yeah. So I moved out of that spot and I just so happened to gaze, gaze to the, uh, the fence line on the right side of the shop. And that's when I saw it. Okay. Go into as much detail as you can about what you saw. And I know uh, you've described this story to me, to, to me before. And usually every time you told it, you would have tears and goosebumps. And that's what makes me believe your story. This is something that stuck with you, that is fresh in your mind no matter when you tell it, and it haunts you. That's what I think anyway. So tell us exactly what you saw. So I, before anything registered, I experienced a extremely primal fear. What did you mean exactly about primal fear? I mean, I froze in my tracks. I, my eyes locked eyes with whatever I saw. I my first instinct was to not let my back turn, whatever I just saw, because it was out to get me. That kind of feeling? Yes. Totally know it. So uh, go ahead and describe the creature itself. So the closest description to something that exists would be like a, like a timber wolf. They have really almost beautiful faces. Very majestic, I guess. But that was the only thing that I could find beautiful about this thing. It was demonic, honestly. It had very extended arms and legs. And it was, honestly, if it would have stood up, it was probably about seven and a half feet tall. So it's pretty massive, huh? Yes. Now, I think in the last time, the last time you told me about this, you described it like a bodybuilder. Uh, not quite a bodybuilder. It was extremely muscular, but muscular. Yeah. It it looked agile. It didn't look heavy at all. Right. A lot like the movie Dog Soldiers. One of my favorite werewolf movies of all time. Easily, those werewolves always scared the hell out of me because they were extremely tall and just disgusting yet natural looking at the same time. It bothered me even as I talk about it. Go on. It stood maybe 15 feet away from me. There was, he was on the other side of the fence line in between the shop and the abandoned house. And he was focused on me. He, I mean, he didn't really give off much of a, I want to kill you vibe. It was like, more described as not interested in me. Yeah, luckily, right? Yeah. Well, I guess that's what I thought, but... What do you mean exactly? Did it, did it seem to turn out to have a different feeling towards you than you thought? Yes. Uh, immediately after I saw it, I... And got over the primal fear that I described earlier, I 
ran as fast as I could to the inside of my dad's shop while he was painting that car. Which was a big no-no to him. Yeah, and uh, without warning, I just kind of jumped on top of the wet paint of that car. And to this day, I mean, that car has the same knee print that it had when I made it. Right. And so he stopped painting for the night. And so I went and sat by this little ventilation fan that he had on the corner of the shop by the overhead door. So I I decided to maybe look and see if the thing I saw was still there. And Now, now the thing about these ventilation fans is that there are holes in the wall. And so in between the fan blade strokes, you can see right outside. Hence the ventilation part. Yes. So what did you see out there? It scared me worse than what I saw before I came in. It was much more angry. (laughs) And from what I saw, I mean, it's been a while, but from what I saw, he was, it was on this side of the fence, closest to me. And just this most evil snarl. I've I've never seen an animal look so vicious and like wanting to kill me so bad. Uh, Another thing is, I guess it was the time of day, but its eyes were glowing. And kind of reflecting the, probably the sunset light. Yeah. That's creepy. (laughs) I can feel the chills right now. I wouldn't want something, anyone or anything looking at me with uh, intent to kill. Because that that would just awaken all those primitive instincts in you that you're about to die. So what happened after that? Uh, My dad wrapped up his uh, project for the day and I was really hesitant to go outside to get in his truck. So he more or less held my hand to go (laughs) back in the truck. (laughs) Knowing our dad, he would be even more hesitant about holding any hands. I kind of looked like a baby sloth wrapped around his leg. Yeah, I bet he loved that. I mean, he seemed pretty angry, honestly. Well, to him, you interrupted his work, destroyed part of his work, and then probably made him have to go home early. But he doesn't understand the situation that you were in, and probably didn't believe you, right? I mean, I probably saved my own life by running into that shop. Exactly. You were almost dog-soldier chow. (laughs) So, ever since you had this experience, how exactly has it affected you or the way you behave outside or outdoors? Uh, A couple major differences. I, every night since... That day I've had some sort of nightmare about being preyed on by whatever I saw. That's weird because I have pretty frequent werewolf or dogman nightmares myself. Usually if I wake up from a dream or a nightmare, it's because I was being eaten or attacked by a lycanthrope of some sort. I don't know if that's connected. Just saying. Maybe it's our family heritage. Something tells me that back in the day... Our ancestors were especially chewed on chewed on by wolves. Maybe not, but there's something to this. There's, there's got to be. So, do you believe it was, I'm going to say it, a werewolf? 
I think a better word would, I, this is my opinion. I think a better word would be a wolf man, dog man, because a werewolf is a man that transforms into a wolf. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Uh, werewolf kind of implies that there's something magical going on there, a curse of some sort, and not everyone believes that magic would exist like that. So it could still be some sort of natural creature, something between a man and a wolf. And that's what you think, right? Yes. Now, we stayed up one night together, I remember a long time ago, and I read you some sightings about the Beast of Bray Road. Do you remember that, the Michigan Dogman? Yeah. Did those sightings sound similar to what you saw yeah i mean a good 100 percent of them were identical now if i had to give my opinion i do think things like that exist they may or may not be magical i don't know what i believe there why haven't we filmed and gotten solid proof of these things i don't know they could be extra dimensional for all i know what if matter from another dimension when it shows up here is not allowed to exist permanently here and must go back to its original dimension. So even if you, for example, shot a Bigfoot and its body was laid on the forest floor, it would eventually phase back into its other dimension. I probably sound like a madman, but that could be something that explains why we never have garnered proof of these things. But I do, I honestly think I do think there's something out there that walks on two legs and looks like a mix between a dog or wolf and a man. And of all the things I've read about, received submissions about, that has creeped me out the most, it's probably werewolves and dogmen. And my brother's story has especially creeped me out to the point that he may have caused these chronic nightmares I get. But I know that's not the only way that either of us have been affected by your experience Tell us the other things that have changed with you. I guess waking up to find whatever sort of black four-legged figures preying on me or just staring at me in my sleep. That's, that's honestly been kind of haunting me lately, usually following a bad dream or a nightmare. So sort of like a waking nightmare where some of the things you see... Uh, sort of flow into your waking reality? Or would you say they're actually there? That there might be something with you that kind of fades away as you wake up? I I really don't know. I mean, I know that the moment I see it, it feels just like that very night where I saw what I saw. Ooh. Yeah, I wouldn't want to relive that at all. So what do these shadowy figures do exactly? And you said they were on four legs? Yeah, and instead of trying to get me, they, for some reason when I wake up, they run away. They run to corners of my room. They run out into the hall of my open bedroom door. They never seem to actually come get me. So what do you think they're there for? They obviously don't want to be there while you're awake, but they gather while you're sleeping. That's... That's pretty creepy, if I have to be honest. I I really don't know. I mean, the most I've looked into it is simply, like, related to sleep paralysis or 
uh, night terrors uh, or like a bad omen because I mean after I had my sighting not even a year or so later our parents divorced do you think maybe like what you saw was spiritual in a way and maybe it attached itself to you in some form or sense uh, that's pretty much the conclusion I drew from that do you think it's still with you to this day like do these you see these entities every night still or uh, on the occasion it's pretty much spanned out to about once every two weeks or so now I would hope and this still sounds bad that what you saw scared you and left a sort of traumatic effect, and that's why maybe you saw those things. But then again, uh, all these, a lot of these dogmen or Bigfoot sightings, a lot of people relate them to Native American tribes. And Native Americans believed in a spirit world or spirits, and uh, so-called that others lived with us and alongside us, things like nature spirits. Maybe, uh, how old were you back then? I was 10 years old. See, if I wouldn't want to think that a spirit of any kind was angry enough to attach something to you, to haunt you, when you were just 10. And you didn't do anything that I recall from your story. You didn't trespass on them. But what if that land was taken, you know? What if that was Native American land? There's a lot of questions you could ask, a lot of uh, sort of tropes you could pull from movies and folklore to try to answer this question, but in the end... You saw something creepy. You can't explain it, really. And it haunts you to this day. You, would you agree with that? Yes. Well, I'm glad you weren't dog food. That brings me to an additional story. One that I was actually involved in. The second part, anyway. Now, we're keeping this in the family. We had a cousin named Jay, we will say. My brother, you remember Jay, correct? Yes. Uh, Jay has struggled with his life. He's had a problem with drugs, among other things. And he had an experience that I heard about secondhand that really bothered me, that really stuck with me. So how it went with him was he met someone, got to know them, and he, according to them... He kept staring off while they were dating. They were on a date, and he kept staring off in the corner and looking absolutely horrified. She, of course, followed his gaze, but did not see what he was looking at. But, of course, this would bother you. It, it would freak me out if my date was just creepily looking into the corner all night. So, eventually, she gets him to admit what he was looking at. <clears throat> and this is Jay's story. Jay says... That ever since that day, there was something following him. Something he believed to be a demon. This started for him when he and a friend of his, not a good friend, they would go out into an old cemetery, a long-forgotten, extremely old family cemetery, and they would, do, uh, they would partake in some drugs. I can't remember what drugs were used there, but that's the core of their story there. Uh, so they were out at the cemetery, taking drugs that they shouldn't have been taking. Jay wanders off into the woods, right? And eventually, he stops. Because he sees a figure uh, about, I think he said 20 yards or so away from him, 
full daylight. He knows he can see it in full detail, and it petrifies him. It is the most awful thing he'd ever seen. It was a furless, just shiny, slime-skin-looking demon with horns. And this thing is beckoning him with his hand to come closer. But Jay, shaking his head and freaking out like any sane person would do, turned and ran in the opposite direction back to his friend and said, we need to leave. But that's not where it ends. Because ever since that day, he has been seeing this thing no matter where he goes. And what really makes this stick with me isn't the fact that he sees it even when he's sober, but he got married as fast as he could, like like that, as soon as this experience happened with him. It was almost like, from an outsider's perspective, that he encounters some, encountered something so scary for him that he wanted to no longer be alone as soon as possible. So he found someone to settle down with as soon as he could, but still maintains that at night, it's in the doorway of his bedroom, and it beckons him. That is creepy. Drugs or not, I don't know. Uh, maybe the drugs opened his mind to see a world that isn't there, or isn't supposed to be there, uh, who knows. Maybe it is the drugs, maybe something permanently altered in his mind, but even if it is something fake for him and us, if you're going to see something in your doorway beckoning at night, it's going to terrify any sane person. So, hearing about this, me and a cousin of mine, along with our significant others, decided that we would go out to this same cemetery at night for a ghost hunt, figuring that if someone else saw something creepy there, we could see something creepy as well. So we load up into her, it was a silver jeep, I forget what uh, model it was exactly, but we load up in their silver jeep and we go to the cemetery. Her significant other was driving at the time, and I remember us pulling up real slow to the, the entrance of the cemetery, a gate, we would have to climb it because it was locked up if we wanted to get in. But before we could do so, her significant other just sat there. And she's like, uh, what are you doing? And he says there's no way in hell he is entering that cemetery. So they uh, quibble a little bit back and forth. And in the end, uh, we all kind of agreed that maybe it was a bad idea. But he, out of all of us, had this dreadful feeling that compelled him against ever setting foot in that cemetery, day or night. So after sitting there for about five or ten minutes in the jeep, never getting out, we reverse it and head back home. I think we actually did stop another place just to spook ourselves, but we never really did see, ultimately did see anything scary or out of the ordinary. The next day I wake up early because this same cousin of mine is texting me. She says, Darkness, you're not going to believe this. And I was like, what? And she sends me a text stating that something was with us last night. I didn't believe that. I'm usually very skeptical. I read a lot of stories and I try to keep a skeptical mind about them. And then she sends me a photo. Oh my word. This was pretty, chi pretty chilling to see. This photo showed her jeep. It was, I think it was two or three different pictures, all of her Jeep, and there are these handprints all over. I'm talking dozens of handprints all over each side of that Jeep, top and bottom, some with nails, some without, but
but dozens of handprints that were not there the night before. Her kids were small at the time and have not been crawling on that jeep. They could not reach where the handprints were on that jeep, and she has not been known to prank me like this. And to this day, she maintains that something or someone, and lots of something or someones, had placed their hands and dragged them down the jeep at that cemetery. It still creeps me out, and I still wish I had the photo. I think I did post it somewhere once, but I'll have to find it. But that's probably the second creepiest thing that happened compared to what I hope was a deer butt. And that pretty much concludes our experiences out at Old Pine Holler, where we used to live on top of a hill, and everything was beyond spooky. I just want to give a quick thanks for my brother and his girlfriend coming up here today to share their stories and to hang out with me. I had a lot of fun. I know it's not exactly fun for you to recall that encounter, but I appreciate you telling it for our guests who might hear it. Uh, yeah, thank you for having me here. I wish you guys a safe drive back home. And if you ever have another story to tell, I'm right here ready to share it with the world. As for anyone who may be listening, if you have a story of your own, and you want to be interviewed, and you have a decent mic, of course, and you think you can share that story for maybe close to an hour-ish, with me and you going back and forth, email me at inthewoodsstories at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode as soon as I can get it. But first, I've got to create some kind of schedule to stick to, so wish me luck on that. Until next time, stay tuned for the next episode. Be sure to follow and share this one. Uh, make sure you find us and subscribe to us or follow us on your favorite podcast. We're everywhere we possibly can be at this time. And stay safe.